section thirty six of india persia mesopotamia and palestine this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the world's story volume two india persia mesopotamia and palestine edited by eva march tappan section thirty six the impeachment of warren hastings seventeen hundred and eighty five by thomas babington macaulay warren hastings became governor of india in seventeen hundred and seventy two upon his return to england in seventeen hundred and eighty five he was impeached for oppressing the natives and was tried by the house of lords the following extract pictures the beginning of his trial it dragged along for seven years he was finally pronounced innocent the editor the place was worthy of such a trial it was the great hall of william rufus the hall which had resounded with acclamations at the inauguration of thirty kings the hall which had witnessed the just sentence of bacon and the just absolution of somers the hall where the eloquence of strafford had for a moment awed and melted a victorious party inflamed with just resentment the hall where charles had confronted the high court of justice with the placid courage which has half redeemed his fame neither military nor civil pomp was wanting the avenues were lined with grenadiers the streets were kept clear by cavalry the peers robed in gold and ermine were marshalled by the heralds under garter king-at-arms the judges in their vestments of state attended to give advice on points of law near a hundred and seventy lords three-fourths of the upper house as the upper house then was walked in solemn order from their usual place of assembling to the tribunal the junior baron present led the way george eliot lord heathfield recently ennobled for his memorable defence of gibraltar against the fleets and armies of france and spain the long procession was closed by the duke of norfolk earl marshal of the realm by the great dignitaries and by the brothers and sons of the king last of all came the prince of wales conspicuous by his fine person and noble bearing the grey old walls were hung with scarlet the long galleries were crowded by an audience such as has rarely excited the fears or the emulation of an orator there were gathered together from all parts of a great free enlightened and prosperous empire grace and female loveliness wit and learning the representatives of every science and of every art there were seated round the queen the fair-haired young daughters of the house of brunswick there the ambassadors of great kings and commonwealths gazed with admiration on a spectacle which no other country in the world could present there siddons in the prime of her majestic beauty looked with emotion on a scene surpassing all the imitations of the stage 
there the historian of the roman empire thought of the days when cicero pleaded the cause of sicily against verres and when before a senate which still retained some show of freedom tacitus thundered against the oppressor of africa there were seen side by side the greatest painter and the greatest scholar of the age the spectacle had allured reynolds from that easel which has preserved to us the thoughtful foreheads of so many writers and statesmen and the sweet smiles of so many noble matrons it had induced parr to suspend his labours in that dark and profound mine from which he had extracted a vast treasure of erudition a treasure too often buried in the earth too often paraded with injudicious and inelegant ostentation but still precious massive and splendid there appeared the voluptuous charms of her to whom the heir of the throne had in secret plighted his faith there too was she the beautiful mother of a beautiful race the saint cecilia whose delicate features lighted up by love and music art has rescued from the common decay there were the members of that brilliant society which quoted criticised and exchanged repartees under the rich peacock hangings of mrs montague and there the ladies whose lips more persuasive than those of fox himself had carried the westminster election against palace and treasury shone round georgiana duchess of devonshire the sergeants made proclamation hastings advanced to the bar and bent his knee the culprit was indeed not unworthy of that great presence he had ruled an extensive and populous country had made laws and treaties had sent forth armies had set up and pulled down princes and in his high place he had so borne himself that all had feared him that most had loved him and that hatred itself could deny him no title to glory except virtue he looked like a great man and not like a bad man a person small and emaciated yet deriving dignity from a carriage which while it indicated deference to the court indicated also habitual self-possession and self-respect a high and intellectual forehead a brow pensive but not gloomy a mouth of inflexible decision a face pale and worn but serene on which was written as legibly as under the picture in the council chamber at calcutta mens aequa in arduis such was the aspect with which the great proconsul presented himself to his judges his counsel accompanied him men all of whom were afterwards raised by their talents and learning to the highest posts in their profession the bold and strong-minded law afterwards chief justice of the king's bench the more humane and eloquent dallas afterwards chief justice of the common pleas and plummer who near twenty years later successfully conducted in the same high court the defence of lord melville and subsequently became vice-chancellor and master of the rolls but neither the culprit nor his advocates attracted so much notice as the accusers in the midst of the blaze of red drapery a space had been fitted up with green benches and tables for the commons 
the managers with burke at their head appeared in full dress the collectors of gossip did not fail to remark that even fox generally so regardless of his appearance had paid to the illustrious tribunal the compliment of wearing a bag and sword pitt had refused to be one of the conductors of the impeachment and his commanding copious and sonorous eloquence was wanting to that great muster of various talents age and blindness had unfitted lord north for the duties of a public prosecutor and his friends were left without the help of his excellent sense his tact and his urbanity but in spite of the absence of these two distinguished members of the lower house the box in which the managers stood contained an array of speakers such as perhaps had not appeared together since the great age of athenian eloquence there were fox and sheridan the english demosthenes and the english hyperides there was burke ignorant indeed or negligent of the art of adapting his reasonings and his style to the capacity and taste of his hearers but in amplitude of comprehension and richness of imagination superior to every orator ancient or modern there with eyes reverentially fixed on burke appeared the finest gentleman of the age his form developed by every manly exercise his face beaming with intelligence and spirit the ingenious the chivalrous the high-souled wyndham nor though surrounded by such men did the youngest manager pass unnoticed at an age when most of those who distinguish themselves in life are still contending for prizes and fellowships at college he had won for himself a conspicuous place in parliament no advantage of fortune or connection was wanting that could set off to the height his splendid talents and his unblemished honour at twenty-three he had been thought worthy to be ranked with the veteran statesmen who appeared as the delegates of the british commons at the bar of the british nobility all who stood at that bar save him alone are gone culprit advocates accusers to the generation which is now in the vigour of life he is the sole representative of a great age which has passed away but those who within the last ten years have listened with delight till the morning sun shone on the tapestries of the house of lords to the lofty and animated eloquence of charles earl grey are able to form some estimate of the powers of a race of men among whom he was not the foremost the charges and the answers of hastings were first read the ceremony occupied two whole days and was rendered less tedious than it would otherwise have been by the silver voice and just emphasis of cowper the clerk of the court a near relation of the amiable poet on the third day burke rose four sittings were occupied by his opening speech which was intended to be a general introduction to all the charges with an exuberance of thought and a splendour of diction which more than satisfied the highly raised expectation of the audience he described the character and institutions of the natives of india recounted the circumstances in which the asiatic empire of britain had originated and set forth the constitution of the company and of the english 
residencies having thus attempted to communicate to his hearers an idea of eastern society as vivid as that which existed in his own mind he proceeded to arraign the administration of hastings as systematically conducted in defiance of morality and public law the energy and pathos of the great orator extorted expressions of unwonted admiration from the stern and hostile chancellor and for a moment seemed to pierce even the resolute heart of the defendant the ladies in the galleries unaccustomed to such displays of eloquence excited by the solemnity of the occasion and perhaps not unwilling to display their taste and sensibility were in a state of uncontrollable emotion handkerchiefs were pulled out smelling-bottles were handed round hysterical sobs and screams were heard and mrs sheridan was carried out in a fit at length the orator concluded raising his voice till the old arches of irish oak resounded therefore said he hath it with all confidence been ordered by the commons of great britain that i impeach warren hastings of high crimes and misdemeanours i impeach him in the name of the commons house of parliament whose trust he has betrayed i impeach him in the name of the english nation whose ancient honour he has sullied i impeach him in the name of the people of india whose rights he has trodden under foot and whose country he has turned into a desert lastly in the name of human nature itself in the name of both sexes in the name of every age in the name of every rank i impeach the common enemy and oppressor of all End of section thirty six this recording is in the public domain